Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, All In, by Pastor Matthew Pallant. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. This past weekend was the 30th anniversary of the outpouring that happened in Toronto. And um, did anybody watch that conference? Parts of it? Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to Emily throughout the week, and she said her and Josiah kind of said, you know, we're officially a part of the weirdest church. <laughs> the, the weirdest organization in the body of Christ, possibly. Um no, because there's just such a spread of uh, you'll have one that's preaching the word and you'll have another that uh, is drunk in the spirit and you've got everything in between. Um, but what I really liked, you know, first off, what an honor to be a part of such a legacy, you know, 30 years of revival um, that's still going and, and really they're shifting into um, focusing on, in a sense, the younger generation, just as we are, you know, and how do we empower the younger generation? How do we empower the 20s and 30s to carry this revival fire, to carry so what's been done hasn't been lost? And, you know, I think about John and Carol Arnott and how they've faithfully stewarded this, stewarded this for this long. You know, it started with just three nights of meetings scheduled with Randy Clark, and uh, it ended up going on for 12 and a half years, six nights a week. You know, when I think about that, I think about what kind of sacrifice that was. You know, oftentimes what we call in church sacrifice is uh, really nothing more than reprioritizing our life. And we call that sacrifice. But, you know, there was sacrifice. There was six nights of week. There was, you know, family time. There was maybe baseball games or different things that... Um, you know, might, may have been missed. Although I did talk to Steve Long a couple years ago when I was at the, the school, the Catch the Fire School for Leaders, and, and just really, you know, felt honored just to be, you know, because they're just all very normal, even though we kind of look at them as superstars. They're just real approachable and humble. Um, but just felt honored to be, you know, next to Steve and had just asked him, I don't remember the exact question, but something along the lines of, you know, what, what was family life like? being a part of this six nights a week, right? Because that's, that's been my focus after Mexico um, and, you know, just experiencing a, a taste, if you will, of revival in Mexico. Um, you know, what, what there, there's, there, there's cost to revival. There's, there's cost to everything, but I didn't believe that it was supposed to cost me my family. So I had asked that question to Steve just in that season, and Steve looked at me and said, I never missed a kid's baseball game. He said, I... I made the speaker schedule. But that's, in my mind, I couldn't comprehend, like, you're in the midst of a revival. I've got to be at every meeting. I've got to be, no, you've got to balance your life and steward the revival, but balance your life because if life isn't balanced, the revival will not continue. So, um, but what was powerful and what I, you know, really liked was just in the midst of, 
kind of in-between speakers, if you will, in the host role, in-between worship, and in-between the inviting of the speaker, they would call somebody up to share a testimony of how the revival has impacted their life and their family, and then they would um, honor, speak honor over John and Carol, speak honor over the leaders of the movement. And, you know, one of the things that, that just came out was just the sacrifice, was that they had laid everything down and gone all in, trusting God and the amount of lives that were impacted. You know, Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker is, is one um, that her life and ministry was completely transformed. Since before Toronto, she had planted a handful, maybe a dozen at the most, but I want to say about a handful or so of churches, and they were um, getting along, just getting on. But after Toronto, she's gone on to plant 20,000 plus churches. You see, so um, Bill Johnson was impacted. Robbie Dawkins was impacted. Some of these people that are going into the darkest nations of the earth, some of the most persecuted nations of the earth, their lives and ministries were greatly impacted by this revival. And each and every one of us that are sitting in this room today are now being impacted. And those that we're encountering, those that we're able to minister to, are being impacted. So just, just to really think about that, just really think, I mean, that was my thought in, in addition to what Emily had said. You know, I did have a thought of that as well. But just to think what an honor to be a part of this movement. What an honor to be a part of Catch the Fire and be relationally connected. It's not just an organization where, you know, people are in seats and offices, but truly to be relationally connected. Have, you know, our senior pastors, John and Lauren and Alan connected with Steve Long and, you know, to have relationships. And to be honest with you, when I was in transition out of Mexico and that that's what I had asked the Lord. And, and you know, I wanted to be a part of a movement or a network or a denomination, if you will, you know, that is relationally, that is relationally connected. Not, not just an organization that's got a structure, but an organization that is relationship. And that's what we get to be a part of. Oh. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. I just ask that you help me to deliver this message, Father. I've got it on paper, but I want it in the hearts. I want it in our hearts, Lord. Help this message be one that brings transformation. In Jesus' name. So today's message is called All In, The Only Way to Live. In, the Only Way to Live the kingdom life. All in. The only way to live the kingdom life. And when I thought about going all in on the poker table, when you go all in, you're either about to double up or go home. In the kingdom, you're about to experience some opposition and then step into purpose and destiny and see exponential growth. All in. 
I think about John and Carol, and they went all in, and what has uh, the impact that they've had. You know, I'm an all-in kind of guy. I know I haven't ran in a while, uh, but when I did run, and I will be running soon, but when I did run, you know, part of my strategy was I, I usually had a baby with me. So my strategy was I would give, at this time it was Judah, I would give Judah a bottle and drive to River Legacy Park, which was a 10-mile, a 5-mile out, 5-mile back. And I knew I had two hours, two and a half hours to get this course done and get home or I was going to have a baby that was crying because I wasn't bringing a bottle. And that was my mission to push me to get this course done. There, it's five out, five back. There's, there's no way around it. You pass the point of no return. You've got to. And that's, that's what I see as all in. And, and you know, in, in life, oftentimes we, um, we live with a safety net. We like to throw out a fleece or a safety net, have that safety line attached to, I'm going to do this. But if it doesn't work, I've got a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. And what I really want to encourage you today is if you really are going to step into the kingdom life, if you're really going to step into the life that God has for you and the fullness of what he has for you, you've got to cut the safety net. You've got to go all in and give it all. And I'm going to go over some, uh, if you will, practical principles to prevent people from falling on their face and making a mess of their life. Because we've seen some of that too. So this is not intended to be kind of a new year, new you type message. It is January. But I also read that the second Friday in January is called Quitter's Day. Most people give up their New Year's resolution by the second Friday. <laughs> How many of you had a New Year's resolution? Anybody willing to admit it? No. <laughs> it's gonna, my next question was, how many of you are still on track with your New Year's resolution? But, um, you know, I, I don't really necessarily do New Year's re resolutions. Um, you know, there's, there's grace. When God asks you to do something, there's grace released. There's grace released. You know, I don't need to, I, I've tried doing those things in my own strength, and they don't last. You know, but when, when God is inviting us into a fast or into a New Year's resolution, into something that's going to bring transformation to our life, um, there's grace release that empowers you to walk it out. In order to be transformed, you must surrender. You must let go of doing things your own way. Humble yourself and invite him to show you. When we try to do things in our own strength, our own wisdom, or our own timing, things are hard and heavy. But when we submit our lives to him, we are always in step with his timing. Amen? When you put God in his place... Everything else finds its place. When you put God in his place, when you put God first place in his place, so you put him first, everything else in life finds its place. So let's read Matthew 6, 25 through 34. 
I'm reading out of the New King James. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, right? This is very familiar portion of scripture. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, that is a kingdom verse, if you will. That is, you know, kingdom 101. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. My question to you today is, what are you worried about? What worries, what burdens are you carrying? We've all got them. We've all got things that we're concerned with. We've all got things that we're holding on to and trying to do in our own strength. That if we can just get this thing, if we can just do this, if we can... But if we put God in his place, if we put him first place, everything else will find its place. So I want to take a moment. Let's ask Holy Spirit to reveal an area or areas of our life that we're worried about or that we're holding back from him. Maybe we're saying we trust you and we let go with one hand, but yet with the other hand, we're white knuckled and we have it gripped. So I just want to take a moment. I want each of you just to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal to each and every one of us things that we're holding on to. Things that we're trying to do in our own strength. Things that we're worried about. Things that we're concerned about. Or even areas that we're just doing out of order. We're trying to do this. We want this. We want this relationship. We want this job. We want this career change. We want this move, this house, this car, whatever the case may be. More than we want you. I ask that you reveal that to us, Lord. I'm not going to ask you to share, but did anybody, was anything revealed? Is there something? That you can be honest about. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, there's things. And don't let it beat you up that there's things. 
You know, those things are called idols. And we can identify them, and then we can make the change. We can make the shift. You know, back, I'll just talk about relationships for a minute, but, you know, back before I married Shani, you know, in your early 20s, young 20s, there's nothing more you can wait for, you know, to get married. All day, every day, you're thinking about, where's my wife? 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 Nothing else you can think about. You know, but it wasn't until I put my life in order and the Lord was working on my heart. And I remember it was a kind of early January thing where I was fasting and praying and seeking the Lord for direction for that year. And the Lord said, I'm sending you your wife this year. And I said, okay, great, Lord, where is she? He said, no, 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 no. Don't ask me where she is. Don't ask me who she is. Ask me what needs to change in you to become the husband I've called you to be. You see, there's, there's things that we think we're ready for in life. And if he shows it, if he reveals it to us too soon, we'll mess it up. You know, so even with this, you know, resolutions and all these things where 2024, people are saying, the year of breakthrough, and they've got this, and this is the year, and this is, okay. But if something doesn't shift and change inside of our hearts, is it really going to be a year of breakthrough? It's, it's not like God is doing some, I mean, he is doing specific things, don't get me wrong. But it's, it's, it, it, it's a shift that needs to take place in us to step into what he's already prepared more than it is him doing hocus pocus and magic and voodoo and all the other stuff that goes, you know, that gets mixed into Christendom. He's waiting for us to be transformed and made into his likeness and his, in his image. So we can step into the fullness of his promise. So as we just had that activation moment where we were asking the Lord to search our hearts What needs to change in us? What are we worrying about? What are we trying to control? What are we holding on to? You know, we have the school, and we I might have shared part of this, but not the depth of it. We had a tour a couple, I don't know, before Christmas. And in the midst of showing this family our school and doing all that, the Lord said, you need to stop right now. Shani was with me. You know, you need to stop right now and lay hands on this couple and pray for them. That's the beauty of owning your own business. You get to bring the kingdom every time. What's the worst thing that can happen? They don't enroll, but you can't get fired because you're working for God and it's your business. Now, if you're working for somebody else's business, that's a whole other story. So, um, but so got to pray for this woman and, and, and man and, you know, I'm praying and the Lord shows me a vision. And I saw Jesus come up beside the woman and he kept taking these weights off of her shoulders. And then she would go right down and pick them back up. So I went ahead and released that word and she was just in tears and weeping. And the husband, a few minutes later, you know, says, thank you so much for praying that over my wife. That's exactly what's going on, you know. But how many times is that us? How many times is that us? His yoke is easy, his burden is light. How many times do 
Maybe we surrender and we lay it down and then five minutes later we go and we pick that thing back up. You know, and, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. When we go all in, it's pushing all in. I'm trusting you completely. I'm trusting you wholly. I surrender to you, Lord. You know better than I do. We cut the safety nets. If you will, you cut, cut the rope on the side of the boat and you push out to the deep end of the ocean and Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. You know, Pastor John and Lauren have lived that way. He shared testimonies and, you know, examples and different things. I think about when they bought the business. It's another example of all in. They sold their house here and moved to the condo. They're all in. They're all in. They put everything they had into that because God said that. And look what God has done. You see, and he shared some of that last week. So, uh, you know, I feel like I could share it as well. So, you know, that's all in. And in the kingdom, you're not going to see the fullness of it until you're all in. I think about when Shani and I moved to Mexico. Um, gave everything we owned away. Drove our little 1999 Toyota Tacoma. Uh, had like 198,000 miles on it. And drove that thing from South Florida to Mexico. With $1,000 cash and a few suitcases. Here we are, Lord. We're all in. We're all in. There's nothing to fall back on. We had no monthly support, no monthly church commitments, nothing. Here we are, Lord. We're all in. And my dad, the blessing that he is, called me and said, son, I just want you to know when you get down there and you run out of money and things don't work out, just call me. I'll get you a flight back home. We'll get you set up, you know, get you, get you squared away. We'll just bring you back and, you know, don't be afraid to call me. We'll get you set up back in South Florida. And I said, Lord, if for no other reason, let us succeed just so he can see your faithfulness to be a testimony of your faithfulness. And he's seen it time and time and time and time and time and time again. He's seen it time and time again. So your life lived all in for God and for the kingdom of God as a witness and a testimony to those that may not fully believe yet. You may look crazy. For a while, my mom thought I was. I mean, before I was. I, I was. And then I got saved and healed and delivered and set free and transformed. And then I really was. I was crazy for him. I was all in for him. I, I've shared bits of those testimonies throughout every time I share. So I'm not going back into all that. But when you're living a radical life for God, you might look a little crazy. You know, who, who quits their job with four kids, one newborn, puts in their two-week notice to start a new business. When God says do it and it's the timing, you do it. You know, my mom says, you know, your timing is bad. <laughs> says you choose to buy a house when, you have a, when your wife's eight months pregnant. You, you choose to do that, you know, to start a school when you got four kids and a newborn. And you choose. I said, no, I'm just submitted to God. I mean, maybe I can get better at listening. Maybe, you know, I can't blame everything on God. Maybe I'm slow to listen. But, you know, I just believe that it is the timing of the Lord and I'm submitted to him.
It's not my plan, trust me. It would not work out this good. <laughs> yeah? Wait, let me not skip this page. Hold on. When you're all in, your options are limited. When you're all in, your options are limited. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't have a bunch of choices to make. I can do what he says. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. John 5.30, I don't think we have slides for these. John 5.30, I can do of myself nothing. I can do of my, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My, judge. my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. You know, and I think so many times we've had these scriptures in contexts of ministry and church planting and all those things, and it's right and it's true. But what I'd like to do is put some of these scriptures in the context of our life because we're kingdom people being sent forth to transform culture around us in every sphere of influence that we've been called to. So if we'll become these kingdom people, if we'll become sons and daughters of God that just learn to hear and do only what the Father is saying, we'll begin to see culture transformed. So I'm going to share a testimony about the school. And I just share these testimonies because this is how God is speaking to me in this season. You know, there's, there's a lot going on. Having four young kids in a new business and responsibilities here at the church and other international responsibilities with kingdom and or with kingdom with Kenya and South Sudan and different things going on over there. There's there's so in this season, this is how God is speaking to me. So I'm, that's why I'm sharing this testimony. But there's some practical steps that that are really laid out in this. This is the story, if you will, of how the whole school started. So I don't want to always talk about the school, but it's just understand, hear my heart, that this is just how God is speaking to me in this season. So these are kind of the five practical steps that I've laid out. Number one, hear from God. Pray and meditate. Don't be impulsive. So many times Christians say God said, and then two weeks later God said something else. Don't do that. If it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. Be patient, walk it out, and be led by his peace. <laughs> Number two, seek wise counsel. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Right? So what I'm, what I'm doing right here is I'm about to lay out a testimony of going all in and living a radical life for Jesus but what I don't want to see is somebody hear a message or hear something and say, God's been speaking to me. I'm going to do this and quit my job and go and then fall flat on their face and make a mess of their life because that does happen. So there is wisdom. There is wisdom in following God. And really that wisdom is um, in these steps, but the main safety net, if you will, of that wisdom is seeking wise counsel of actually doing life with a community of believers that know where you've been and know where you're going. You see, I've got, say, Prophet Noor, my spiritual father, who 
we've been walking together since 2000. Oh, now I'm forgetting. 2014. Uh, I want to say since June of 2012. June of 2012. So we've got 12 years of history. So I can call him and say, hey, I believe God's saying this. Nope, that ain't God. This is the tra- trajectory. This is what God's had you. That's, that's a misdirection. Don't do that. Nope, hold on. I had a spiritual son call me. This is, I don't know, four or five years ago. And Shani and I had just moved out here, and his life it was a little bit of a mess. And God bless his wife because she's solid and all this. Anyway, and he said, I think God's saying we're going to move to Texas. And just out of my spirit, I just said, wait here and let's talk. things up. He got finances in order, him and his wife, they got things in order. And then a year later, he said, I think we're moving to Texas. I talked to his wife, said, I think, yeah, okay. You know, he didn't have to listen, right? He can do what he wants, but he listened and they stepped right in. They didn't have to pay rent for a while and it was just, there was just favor and blessing. So when you're walking, this is somebody that I'd been walking with since he got saved. So there's lots there since 2000. Eight probably, so there's there's saying all I'm saying. All right, so from God, seek wise counsel. Step three: get an aerial, aerial view of what it's going to take to execute successful. Step number four: no looking back. No looking back. Slavery in the rear view looked better than God's promise in the windshield to the Israelites. Slavery in the rear view looked better than God's promise in the windshield to the Israelite. Don't be afraid of it. Prophet Norm would always say just, it was a rule. He only had three rules, but one of them was just because it doesn't mean we don't do it. We can do hard things. And step number five, slay your biggest giants first. And that season when we were having issues with permits for chain link fence for the city and plumbing and all these things, instead of getting nervous, because that was, that was my natural tendency was to get nervous and draw back and put the harder things on the back burner and do the easier things first. And in that season, the Lord told me, slay your biggest giants first. Wake up. Which giant is getting slayed today? And that's what I would do. Okay, so those, those are five principles, if you will. So this is the testimony that, that's going to lay that out and kind of explain that or where I drew that from. But all in, it's how we've lived our lives. I can give testimony after testimony of how and when we went all in and God has shown up. So there's a history, right? This wasn't our first big step of faith. We started taking steps of faith with baby steps when God would say to go here and pray for this person or go here and give this offering or go to Africa. One time I did an Africa trip and um, we're less than 24 hours out before my flight. And all we had was the only money we had was the flights paid for. And this was like a three or four week trip in, in Kenya um, with no money. And we're just walking it out with God. And I don't know, 12 or 18 hours before we flew out, somebody called and said, Hey, can you come by the house? I want to pray for you. So, yeah, let's go. A couple thousand dollars was in an envelope there. So God, we, we, there's, there's track record, there's history of walking with God and seeing 
God's faithfulness show up. Um, so it's just a season of how God is re- revealing so much of himself to us is, is through the school, like I just said a few minutes ago. And so many of you have been cheering us on and praying for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everybody that's just cheering us on. This John and Lauren, the elders. I mean, you guys are our biggest cheerleaders. You guys are cheering us on and supporting us. And honestly, it would not be possible I told Pastor John this a week or two ago, but it, it would not be possible without the help and support and prayers of this church. So with CMA, I found, a, I found a note recently in my phone that actually went back to January of 2015. And so what I'm saying is this is not something that was just one day popped up and said, let's do it. There was it's it's been in prayer, not necessarily consistently, but there's been prayer over it since January of 2015, which is funny because that's the year that we gave everything away and we moved to Mexico. October 2015 is when we moved to Mexico. So I was talking to Pastor John over the course of probably about a year, just about the need for additional income and the weight of that my wife was carrying working at her place of employment during that season. And she's endured four or five years under hard circumstances. So don't think just because she doesn't like her boss or had to work hours she didn't want, she opened her school. It doesn't work like that. You've got to submit to earthly authority, even under hard and uncomfortable circumstances, in order to receive kingdom promotion. Think about Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's, there's kingdom principle in that, that, you know, some businesses are started of, I just don't like my boss, and it's nothing more than rebellion, and sprinkled with Christianese to make it sound like it's God. This isn't that. So there's, 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 um, you know, think about pearls. Think about coal. Think about all these precious things. Where are they formed? Under pressure. They're formed under pressure. So as you are enduring hard things and maintaining um, the peace of God and the character of God, walking out the hard things of life, there's things being formed in you that are ready to be birthed, that in the right time will be birthed and released. But if they're not formed under pressure, there's nothing to be birthed or released. Don't be afraid of the pressure. All right. So then we were at a crossroad and the pressure was on. We had gone all in to get here to DFW and we have a history with God. We've been taking baby steps of obedience for the last 13 to 15 years. So now taking riskier steps of obedience is just natural progression. My encouragement to you with that is start obeying God now in the little things. David killed the lion and the bear before he killed Goliath. So what you're walking through naturally right now is preparation for walking into the promise of God. God was speaking to us during the beginning of COVID, figure somewhere around April of 2020, and he said, now is the time to open this school. Well, now Shani was doing uh, school online with her kids at her place of employment and I was trying to have Zoe when she was, you know, she was what, probably three at that time or two and a half, trying to let her do her little circle time on an iPad uh, through Zoom. Doesn't work. Touching everything, trying to do my laptop, you know. 
But so in, you know, so walking through all that, but little by little, I worked my way through. And then another problem kept presenting itself. Shawnee kept getting pregnant. (laughs) Not sure whose fault that was. But how do you start a school when she's supposed to be the director and the lead teacher and she's always pregnant or on maternity leave? (laughs) I believe the problem has been fixed. (laughs) So finally, after Mia was born, it was time. But we were scared. Long story short, I was in training to become a family coach and I'd received some really powerful tools for relationships and family. So we knew, you know, after Mia was born, while Shani was pregnant on a maternity leave, you know, I had already been since 2020 working on the state documents, working on LLC formation, working on all the background stuff. And we knew it was time, but it was going to take a major step. It was going to take to go all in. It was going to pull the ripcord, right? So I had, um, so all of that is the part of hearing from God, right? That first part that I just went over, hearing from God, meditate, don't be impulsive, right? So this is something that's been on our heart. We had the name CMA, Christian Montessori Academy, since 2015. So it's not just a squirrely thing that popped up, let's try it. Something that had been saturated in prayer, that we'd been listening and hearing and walking it out, right? So this is step two, seek wise counsel. So all that, I was in training to be a family coach, and, you know, I called a friend who's the leader of that ministry, and I just said, hey, you know, can I have a coaching call? So he kind of switched gears from friend hat and put on his coach hat and said, okay. And and coaching is... It's different than counseling. It's different than, say, inner healing, but it's, it's a modality that primarily focuses on asking you questions. And so part of what he started asking, you know, he said, what's going on? So I told him, you know, hey, I, I believe we're supposed to open the school. He said, okay. He says, so what's the problem? He said, well, I'm scared. <laughs> so what are you scared about? I said, well... It's going to require my wife quitting her job. It's, it's going to require us taking steps of faith. It's going to, you know, it's going to require some things. Okay, so what do you need in order to make a decision? Is it a money, a certain amount of money? Is it, I just need a word from God. That's how I live. I just need a word from God. If I have a word from God, that's all I need. Okay, do you have that? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so what's the problem? And uh, I said, well, he said, okay, tell me, what, what's your history? What have you seen God do? I said, well, we moved to Mexico and we had no money and God took care of us. And we went to Africa and we had no money and God took care of us. We had this and God took, he says, okay, so what's different now? I said, well, we have four kids. He says, oh, so the God that took care of you and your wife all those years is not able to take care of you and your wife and your four kids? Well, no, that, uh, uh, okay. That meeting, I had already had another meeting set up with Pastor John and Lauren, so literally hung up that call. Shawnee was ready. We jumped in the car and went and met with Pastor John and Lauren. And, uh, you know, Pastor John said, hey, what's going on? And we just shared, hey, I, I believe this is, this is what we're doing. We're doing it. 
and just started talking through some details and some different things. And he says, okay, so for the last six months, since we had some previous conversations of other things, he says, uh, this, is, this is what God's saying. We said, yes. He says, well, go do it. Go get it. So what I'm saying is there's seek wise counsel, right? In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. We're not just out doing something. So when you're, when you're going all in for God, you go all in. There is no safety net. There is no plan B. This is for us, this was, is our all or nothing. If this didn't work, which it's God, it would, but if it didn't work, honestly, it was pack up and go back to Florida and start all over. I mean, that's literally where we were at. That, that, that was the only other option. But God. So why I'm putting that wise counsel thing in there, it's so important to walk with people who understand your history, understand where you're going, and are not afraid to tell you no. How many times have we seen people fall flat on their face trying to do the right things, trying to follow God, but they didn't follow the process? So then we walked away from that meeting. And I looked at Shawnee and I said, look at the calendar. I said, what do you mean? Pick your last day at work and put in your two weeks. Well, what about? What about bills? And what about? What about? I said, this is what God's saying. There is no way to keep going to work every day and still do what God said to do. That is the next step. And that, that's when the rubber met the road. That, that's when it gets real because, you know, um, she has a bigger salary. <laughs> it's, it's her salary that was, you know. So that was a big step. That was a big risk, if you will. Risk, obeying God. But that, that was pulling the ripcord. That was the all-in. And uh, did I have butterflies in my stomach? You know, they, you're crossing the point of no return. And she did it. She picked the date and put in her two weeks. But we had an aerial view. We had things set up. We had structures in place. We had LLC set up. We had website being made. There were, the ball was already rolling in a safe place. Um, so there has been challenges, and it has and continues to require us to walk by faith, to seek him for wisdom and timing. But he continues to hold, but we continue to hold on to him and his promise, and we continue to see his faithfulness. You know, years ago, 2008, 2009, when I was learning about faith and different things, and you know, I was just thinking, Lord, if I could just have all this money, then I can do all that you've called me to do. And he goes, oh, so what you're saying is you're trying to get out of living by faith? You see, so many times we think that if we get, if we step into his blessing, if we have enough provision to do everything we need to do, then we'll do it and then we'll obey. No, it's not going to work like that. He requires no matter what level of whatever, what, no matter where you are walking with God, it requires your faith and your obedience. It requires you to be fully dependent on him. And I've always heard people say that, but I've got greater revelation now in this stage that we're walking in of, yeah, 
So there's still challenges. There's still obstacles. It, it doesn't get you around those. But you've just learned and you've seen time and time and time and time and time again of his faithfulness. You know, I used to joke and say he's the 1159 God because he's never late, but he's, he's rarely early. You need something, you know, whatever, March 1st, it'll show up February 28th at 1159 p.m. He, he requires that we walk by faith. So Jesus was radical, and in order to follow him, we are going to look radical. But once you get far enough off the shore, it all begins to look and feel normal. So push your boat off the shore. Um, worship team, you can come on up. Let's look at Mark 8.31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke the word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples. Also, he said to them, whoever desi desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Our minds need to be renewed. We need to see things from God's perspective, from the heavenly perspective. It doesn't matter what it looks like naturally. We got to renew our minds. And then whoever, this is that, that holding on to, that grip, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You know, and I think a lot of times we've read this scripture and I've always seen it from the paradigm of, of ministry, of missions, of uh, church planting. And, and again, in the context, that's right. But how, does it, how do we apply that to everybody? How does that apply to you? And, and what I'm seeing is What is it that God is asking you to let go of? What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you will not lay down? 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You see, if we don't start where we are, we'll stay where we are. So there's areas that God is trying to lead us and guide us into, if you will, deeper areas of revelation or deeper levels of obedience to walk in greater authority in his kingdom. But if we don't start right where we are right now, if we won't let go of or lose this thing that we're holding on to, that's holding us back, that's causing us to go around the mountain another year. Right? In the same way that, you know, people can say specific words about a year. It's the year of breakthrough. It's the year of this. It's the year of that. If there's not true transformation in you and true transformation in me, it won't be the year of breakthrough for us. But in that same way, How many of us are tired of just going around the mountain? There is a promise waiting for each and every one of you. There is a promise waiting for each and every one of you. What needs to change? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to surrender and say, Lord, I'm all in? What is that that's holding us? King Jesus went all in for you. Will you go all in for him? So as we go into this ministry time, there's two things that I saw. There's some of you that have gone all in following God. And you feel like he's let you down. Say, I went all in. I trusted God. I went all in. And he didn't keep his promise. He didn't do what he said he would do. I fell flat on my face, whatever the case is. And then there's another group that you're tired of going around the mountain and you're ready to make the decision in your heart to forsake all and to buy the field and go all in. That's Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is your field? What is your sphere of influence that God is asking you to go all in for? Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us, in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumechurch.com slash give.